Late last week, many millions of Americans may have felt that they dodged a bullet when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled against a federal jab mandate for employees and companies of 100 or more workers. But did they really dodge it? Keep in mind, these rulings are only for injunctions as the cases continue. Plus, the flip side of this is that the court upheld a mandate for health care workers of employers who receive federal funds. Plus, the court didn't seem to mind at all to uphold a mandate as long as Congress voted it in. We'll explore the court's decision and what it could mean to you in today's analysis behind the news, where we provide the perspective and the plan to save American liberty and independence. In regards to the OSHA jab mandate for employers of 100 or more employees, the court wrote, Many states, businesses, and nonprofit organizations challenged OSHA's rules in courts of appeals across the country. The Fifth Circuit initially entered a stay, but when the cases were consolidated before the Sixth Circuit, that court lifted the stay and allowed OSHA's rule to take effect. Applicants now seek emergency relief from this court, arguing that OSHA's mandate exceeds its statutory authority and is otherwise unlawful. Agreeing that applicants are likely to prevail, we grant their applications and stay the rule. It appears the court agrees that OSHA's mandate is outside of the authority of OSHA and is unlawful. However, in the ensuing paragraphs, the court reviews the statutory authority of OSHA, but not one time does it even question the constitutionality of this federal agency. It merely recognizes that OSHA was enacted by Congress in 1970. The powers of the federal government are few and defined. As James Madison wrote in The Federalist No. 45, he further elaborated in the next sentence that those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. The Constitution lists the bulk of these in Article 1, Section 8. None of these denote responsibility for ensuring occupational safety. If this power isn't found in the list, then as Madison suggests and as the Tenth Amendment points out, this power is reserved for the states, the people. For the federal government to be legislating on this area, reserved for the states, the people, constitutes a usurpation of power. James Madison wrote in the Virginia Resolutions of 1798 that states are duty-bound to interpose or nullify the act. This is especially important when the federal branches of a government get it wrong. The legislative branch was wrong to enact it, and the judicial branch was wrong to uphold any act of this blatantly unconstitutional agency. As we've discussed before, the John Birch Society ran a campaign to get rid of OSHA called Nix on OSHA as it was enacted into law by President Richard Nixon. When OSHA came calling on a business of a JBS member in the early 1970s, the member sued them all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court and won the case. OSHA now has to have a warrant to force access onto private property. Unfortunately, this procedure to grant the warrant is not very stringent. Plus, with the implementation of OSHA, about 22 states have adopted their own occupational laws and regulations, some that go above and beyond the federal regulations, thus skirting the constitutional argument of usurpation. However, those states do not have to have those. And for those that rely on the federal regulations, local law enforcement does not have to comply with the federal agency. They can actually stop them from accessing businesses. In the Declaration of Independence, the founders complained that King George 
had erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. The Constitution was written to prevent that by ensuring a balance of powers and providing for a process of keeping checks on this power. Yet, when usurpations go unchecked, the limitations of the federal government can be blurred. It's highly irresponsible for the U.S. Supreme Court to suggest that OSHA has any legal tasks, as well as to write, that is not to say OSHA lacks authority to regulate occupation-specific risks related to COVID-19. Well, of course it lacks authority. The very statute it is based upon is unconstitutional, according to Article 1, Section 8. Not once did the court point to the Constitution. Rather, it relied on other case rulings, given the, giving the appearance that those rulings have the weight of legislation. They do not. While this is currently the practice, it flies in the face of constitutional limitations. The court also wrote, Although Congress has indisputably given OSHA the power to regulate occupational dangers, it has not given that agency the power to regulate public health more broadly. This strongly indicates that all it will take is for Congress to enact this authority and the mandate would be legal. Again, very irresponsible for the court to conclude. While the ruling may be viewed as a win by most, this is not a ruling that should be celebrated. Showing further how wrong they can be, the court also upheld a mandate to have healthcare workers submit to a federal mandate to get a COVID-19 jab for those that work in facilities that accept federal funding like Medicare and Medicaid. Again, the court did not decide on the underlying foundation of the statute that enables this type of entanglement. Rather, it merely decided that since these facilities are sustained by the federal government, then the federal government has a say in how these facilities are run. The liberal wing of the court was joined by so-called conservatives, Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh, to form the majority opinion. The justices pointed to a specific code of federal regulations as its basis for this decision. They wrote, the secretary has established long lists of detailed conditions with which facilities must comply to be eligible to receive Medicare and Medicaid funds. The justices point to 42 CFR and how it covers hospitals, long-term care facilities, and ambulatory surgical centers. Such conditions have long included a requirement that certain providers maintain and enforce an infection prevention and control program designed to help prevent the development and transmission of communicable diseases and infections. The ignorance of that statement is overwhelming. It appears they believe that these experimental jabs actually prevent COVID infection. Granted, this was a claim made early on when the jabs were first being rolled out, but actual evidence has made this claim false. Although President Biden continues to erroneously call this a pandemic of the unvaccinated, evidence suggests otherwise, specifically coming from areas from within the U.S., Europe, Australia, and Israel that show an increasing amount of those who receive the jab are getting infected with COVID and transmitting it to others. This is quickly becoming a pandemic of the vaccinated. The New American Magazine reported on a study that evaluated data from 145 countries that extrapolated efficacy of these jabs at being 1.9% at best and then quickly decreasing over time. This is a far cry from the manufacturer's studies of being 80 to 95% effective. If the Supreme Court wants to rule according to medical evidence instead of obeying the constitutional limitations of the government, then it should at least make an effort to stay on top of the latest evidence.
of which they won't hear from big media. According to the New American, the study concluded, the results of this study taken together demonstrate a product that directly causes more COVID-19 associated cases and deaths than otherwise would have existed with zero vaccines. Consequently, these experimental gene therapy injections known as COVID-19 vaccines cannot be mandated by any public policy that intends to continue following the regulations of the Nuremberg Code, Code 1998, the Helsinki Accords, Association and Others 2009, and the Human Rights Declaration on Bioethics, UNESCO 2019. Our view is that instead of relying on the international codes, American doctors should rely on uncensored evidence to determine what is best for their patients without any interference from the federal government and the corrupt medical establishment that allows the federal government to set COVID protocols that have led to the deaths of significant numbers of Americans, many of whom could have easily been saved by early intervention of certain doses of vitamins as well as hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin and other less commonly known solutions. Plus, the U.S. Supreme Court should be applying the Constitution instead of relying on faulty rulings and unconstitutional statutes. For those caught in the trap of Medicare and Medicaid, it seems the trap of entangling alliances has come back to bite those involved. It's easy to say that if workers, healthcare workers want to be spared the federal mandate, then they just need to break the entangling alliance by not accepting those patients and not taking the federal money. Some providers have done just that over the years as they don't want the hassle and coding nightmare that frequently accompanies this insurance system. However, it's largely unworkable as millions of elderly, disabled, and low-income Americans depend on these programs. A gradual phase-out of these programs is certainly needed, but the appetite to accomplish this from both government and public is not there yet. This COVID debacle may help to hasten it if the truth can be widely reported. While we should be happy that the mandate was stayed by the court, look at what the mandate has already accomplished. It has helped to push companies to adopt their own mandates, either pushing out many Americans or forcing them to choose their job over their health. The John Birch Society has warned for years that what the federal government subsidizes, the country will get more of. This is one of the most unfortunate effects of having socialized medicine. Again, America would be better off for moving away from this type of system. So what do we do now? The court cases are not over and will continue to play out in the lower appellate courts, perhaps even being bumped back to the Supreme Court at some point. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and the state legislature have taken steps to ensure that companies follow state law instead of the federal mandate. According to MSN, the state of Florida is not going to serve as the Biden administration's biomedical police, Christina Pushaw, a spokesperson for DeSantis, wrote in an email Thursday. Just how hospitals will comply with state law and ignore the federal mandate without losing federal dollars is unclear. As MSN points out, some state hospitals are choosing to follow the federal mandate. Nullification of any and all mandates from either local, state, or federal governments is an important check on the balance of power delegated to government. In a republic, we are governed by laws through representative government, not mandates by personalities or bureaucracies. We encourage you to learn more about nullification and how state legislatures, county sheriffs, and local governments can stand up to these unconstitutional mandates. Download our free booklet on it. Then, 
Contact your state legislators and tell them to nullify this mandate. We also encourage you to contact your congressman and tell them to support the bill to abolish OSHA. With your help, we can write the republic. Join the John Birch Society today and begin working with thousands of like-minded patriots dedicated to restoring our lost freedom. Links are in the video description. I'm Bill Hahn for the John Birch Society. Until next time, stay informed, stay active, and be bold, patriots.